0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. The season's over, and Scott and Paul and I are just sort of chitting and chatting away. We realize we better hit record. Uh, My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. We were, let's see, going over Christmas plans and trying to get together and could we watch a football game and whose holiday party at work got canceled because the workers don't like management at the moment. Um, But I'll I'll tell you which workers do like management. And those are those workers for the Buffalo Bills, because even though they lost 27 to 23, I'd have to say I don't have any sense that there's a team that the team itself is crumbling. Um, we'll we'll go through the the Jets and Bills um, recap. This, by the way, did the mathematical final mathematical number on maybe next year. Uh, Paul and I called it last week. But um, this is, in fact, you know, now now that now the season is brain dead as well as the rest of the body. Um <laughs>
1: Right, so if you have a three-week injury, you're on injured reserve right
0: now. Right, you're, it's it's done now. Um, which we'll get to those too. Bills sitting at four and nine, um, which is shapes up nicely for Paul. Paul gets to go first because it's shaping up nicely for his five or six-win season, uh, which he stuck his stuck to his guns even when I was saying I'd, it'd be a miracle if they won two or three games. Um, but here we are. They lost a a close game to the Jets. They lost a stupid game to the Jets. How do you want to characterize this game?
1: I think close and stupid are both accurate. It was funny reviewing. It, one of the things I do to prepare notes for the, the podcast is I go back to the the conversations I'm having on Twitter. And just to watch the gradual regression of joy from the first quarter on through the fourth quarter. In the first quarter, I was talking about what an accomplishment it would be if they could you know, put the Jets away pretty much by halftime or halfway through the third quarter or so, and that would really cement them as a better team. And instead, the exact opposite of that happened, and they just totally looked really, really bad. And this is – I will start with the the pessimism because I was – as Frank noted on Twitter, I was just full of pessimism after the game. I think what aggravated me about this game is I kind of looked at the Bills to now as as a team that I felt was mediocre – Closing in on mediocre, I legitimately thought this could be a six, seven win team. This, you know, this as the season progressed, I thought this could be a six or seven win team this year. They've got winnable games here. They've got winnable games there. The reason it, it hit me a bit is because this game, they're, they're just bad. And that's, that's why this game I found to be as discouraging as it was to me, because we didn't see a lot of positives Uh, Other than some good stuff from Josh Allen, which we'll talk about, but we also saw Sam Darnold lead a game-winning TD drive while Allen's attempt ended with an interception. And I just had this concern, like, watching the game, I'm thinking, are there too many holes to fill in to be a contender next year? You looked at how substandard this offensive line is. Deion Dawkins is the only one who had a positive grade on Sunday's game. He still gave up a brutal, costly sack at one point. Though There was only his pressure he gave up all game, but still that was a, a bad spot to give it up in. You had Zay Jones elevated to officially the number one receiver role and then vanishes and turns into uh, Zay 2K17 with his drops and bad roots and, and everything else he was doing. You had the copious amounts of penalties that we saw during the course of this game as you hear the penalty siren going off mm. in the background as I discussed them. So it was – you know, it was really a frustrating game to to watch because this was a team they just dismantled weeks before, and I will say the second time teams meet, as long as it's not the Patriots and it's an interdivisional game, those games tend to get closer because you're not surprising anyone anymore, and you're each knowing what weaknesses you're capable of attacking. So we all did expect a closer game when we made our picks last week, but I, I felt the The Bills clearly had a more talented team than the Jets. I felt that they were better equipped, you know, just in terms of, you know, lining up well for the future. And now after watching, you know, Darnold come through in the end in a game and losing it home to the Jets, I was definitely, you know, left in a downer mood after this game. On the positive side, you know, you had the performances of, you know, Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie again, looks like. You know, you have a little bit better receiver depth for next season than you thought you might, and it's very reasonably priced. Depth, the defense. Again, I was disappointed that the only times they seemed to give up, you know, big plays or sniffing yards, were when it mattered most, including Zay Jones, who had a really tough game. So that was discouraging to me. And but otherwise, the defense played played very well. They need to get more of a pass rush. That was feeble. So that you know, they mentioned none of the four that they've signed in the off season or during the season, which would be the Phillips brothers, Jordan, Harrison, and Murphy and Ludolili did anything in terms of pressuring the quarterback. It was all the original four of uh, Hughes, Alexander, Lawson, and Williams. So you know that was disappointing. But otherwise, you know, the the linebacking core played well before Milano died, and then you know he's yes, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easel. And then and then uh, Trey White, you know, was good up until the, you know, last quarter, which is unfortunately when he the most. I won't even talk about special teams because I feel like Scott needs to go off on something. So I'm just going to leave special teams <laughs> alone and we, we can let Scott handle
0: that. I think I, to, to summarize Paul quickly, Scott, I think what <clears throat> we're hinting on, we haven't had one of these in a while where we thought the Bills could win and should win and then they didn't. Yes. Because we spent a lot of time thinking they can't win. And then they can't. and Then they don't, or they do, and it's kind of surprising. What do you? What are your thoughts on on that and/or the game? And of course, you know, you've been teed up for special teams, which is better than most of special teams manage. <laughs> the <To> tee up, <laughs> the tee up, um, anything. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> so, uh, briefly, I want to point out that I'm just uh, again apropos of nothing, and we're doing this podcast, and we're not going to edit it. So who cares? Uh, Wisconsin's basketball scored sixty points here in the first half, in the first seventeen minutes. There have mm-hmm. been many – There, I think we won a game earlier this year with, like, scoring about 55 points. So oh. I don't know what's going on with this team right now. It's kind of – anyway, um, back to the Bills, which are not fun to watch. Um, so I think – I agree with Paul. It's nice to have a little receiver deck. I have to go out and get four new wide receivers in the offseason. I don't think we're going to have to do that. I, I think there's enough – guys there to, to make this work, so that's a good sign. Um, but other than that, I I like I feel like special teams is its own segment. I feel like we should go to Frank and then do special teams. Yeah. But I think getting to specifically like the team itself and the, the level of talent, I do get very concerned because I think we all had a bit of mirage of that they're playing better and that they, they had kind of looked competitive in the Dolphins game. They won the game before that against I forget who, Jacksonville. Um, and I think we're forgetting, again, that this is, the, like, even if we had won the Dolphins game and won this game, which were winnable games, I mean, they came down to the end. Either one of them could have kind of... Obviously, the Dolphins game was very close to being won. The Jets game, certainly a couple breaks here and there at the end of the game could have gone to the Bills' way. Even if they had won those, this still was a team that lost by 40 to the Ravens at the beginning of the season. This the Ravens. Is- to the raisins and the <laughs> <Yes>. raisins, um, <laughs> and, and, the damn
1: California raisins. They
2: would have had they would have had three 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 game winning streak against teams that were under five hundred, which is not exactly the stuff of champions. Right now, when you take the fact that they actually lost two of those three games, now we really are getting to Paul's point, and I agree that the talent level is is really concerning here, and I I do get concerned about the amount of things because it's to me like. If you invested all the all your draft capital and all of your, you know, free agency dollars on making the offense better, which I think we would all agree is kind of where there are the most holes. Mm-hmm. I would still have concerns about the defense next year. Yeah. yeah. If we were if we were playing San Diego or Los Angeles or Kansas City in a playoff game. I'm terrified of what that defense is going to do because our defense is built on basically the rope-a-dope of we'll just keep them in front of us and hang on for four quarters and hopefully they don't score more than 28 points. That doesn't really work against a team that's actually, A, trying to win a playoff game, and B, if your offense is not able to kind of keep up with that team as the game goes on, um, if they're trying to come back against that defense and trying to take big chunks, yeah, maybe we'll get a turnover or two, those aren't also guaranteed, so I, I feel like there are a lot of holes on this team. I, I I am I I have a little faith in McDermott on the defensive side that he can he can make enough. He's done. He's found these little kind of Teron Johnson, Matt Milano kind of low round values where we can maybe sneak another starter out of this upcoming draft or free agency. Um, we need a second cornerback. We've talked about that. Um, you know, Trey White did not have his best game on Sunday, but it's still like there were still enough opportunities for Darnold to kind of pick up the thing. And then the last thing I will, and you know, I don't know if we want to do a whole other thing on Allen too, but I was sure. talking, I was talking to the guys at work today, a couple of the bills fans around the office in the bar for Josh Allen is Sam Darnold. If he is not better than Sam Darnold, then we're, we're, uh, explicit rating on we're fucked. Like, mm-hmm. there Unless it no... turns
1: into Marino Kelly, too, or maybe Marino slightly better than Kelly, but that was okay. But I, again, yeah, I I, I t- yeah, the rest of the if Bills talent,
2: yeah, I, I guess that was okay, but again, it's still not great, certainly. And I would say that, that that's probably not where we're headed with these two. I'm not sure if they turn into Kelly and Marino, then yes, I guess I'll take that. But, um, <laughs> it, it seems like we're pretty far away from that based on where we were on Sunday, and at minimum, you know, Brady. We just have to hope he retires soon. Clearly, neither one of them is going to be better than Brady anytime soon. And yeah. Miami's kind of a, a, a you know a house on fire to a little bit, you know. Who knows if it's gonna be Tannehill next year, if he's even gonna be healthy enough. Um, so that really just means us and the Jets who had kind of cashed in their chips this season to get the blue chippers. And so that's gonna be the bar that Josh Allen's measured against for the rest of his career. And Sunday he came up, you know, you could say that maybe he had better stats a little bit than Darnold, but even then.
0: Say, well, I want to say quite a bit, but go ahead.
2: But, you know, Darnold got the win, and, you know, I'm not yeah. sure that there's a great amount. I'm not sure there's a great amount more of talent on the Jets than there's on the Bills at this point.
0: I'll say this. I mean, if you compare season stats for Darnold and Allen, um, you know, Darnold's played 10 games, Allen's played nine. Um, you know, certainly Darnold has more passing yards, slightly better completion percentage at 55%. You know, 12 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, though. I mean, he's thrown 15 interceptions. Yeah. Allen's, you know, Allen's thrown nine. I can't even, yeah, five touchdowns to nine. So neither one of them's doing great. The difference, of course, and in, in, in some of the conversation about Allen is about his ability to run. And I don't know, I said this on Twitter. I know that there's like a urgency amongst like all the mini GMs and coaches out there to say, well, we really need him to stay in the pocket and pass. I don't need him to stay in the pocket and pass right now. I don't. I don't need him to do that. There are no receivers on this team. I am happy for him to just run and get yards. It's hard to argue with the with a guy who can run for like I think he's averaging like eight yards to carry. You know? He's he's you know more than a hundred yards per game in back-to-back games. And so it's hard to turn down those yards if they're there. And so even though P- Darnold might be you know, ahead of him as a passer. I think that was already a known quantity. I think when you were drafting Josh Allen, you were drafting a more raw prospect that needed more time. And so, you know, I'm, I don't want to pretend like he's quote unquote, like he's good as in without a qualified good for a rookie or good for a guy that was meant to be a caricature of a quarterback by most experts. You know, he's still a qualified good to me. He's not, unqualified good, but I'm happy with where he's at. And I don't have reason to think that he, w- I don't have reason to think he definitely will get better, but I also don't have reason to think he definitely won't get better and that mm-hmm. other talent around him won't help him. Um, and I think that some of the best hope that you have that there will be better talent is first of all, the huge amount of money that's coming with um, uh, when, when, next year with the, with the salary cap. And second of all, that they have gravitated towards players um, you know, culling the receiver core and just getting faster, younger guys in. They don't seem to be afraid to throw the ball deep. He has...
1: In fact, to emphasize your point there, Frank, I believe Josh Allen leads the league in terms of average yards in the air per throw. So he's throwing deeper... Than anyone
0: else, And, and you know, and, and I can hear people saying now, and they're right, and he's not completing a lot of those passes. And even if you adjust for his drops, he's still kind of down there. He's also played nine games, and he's on probably the most talent-devoid offense in the league, amongst the ta- most talented-devoid offenses in the yeah, league. Yes, so
1: only Arizona may be able to argue with us there. Right. Otherwise, no one
0: else. Even Cleveland kind of, I don't know, maybe, you know, but Cleveland, I think that, you know, Baker Mayfield – The quarterback I wanted, uh, you know, between Mayfield and and, and Rosen, um, you know, like he's he's sort of looking like a special talent right now. I'm glad that Scott brought up the defense and this this rope a dope defense because I've been thinking about this. But unlike Scott, I wonder if that's just not the future of defense now, because I think that the best I think we really are in an age of it's an arms race. And we're not going to build we're not going to build Star Wars in the sky to shoot down the missiles from the other country so much as we're just going to have to build more missiles um, and, and, and point them at the other team. And the idea is your defense then if, if you accept the fact that you're in an, an unprecedented offensive era of football, you have to like necessarily accept that part of that means defenses aren't as good as they used to be. Gone are the days of, in fact, holding a team to 14, 18, 20 points and winning um, or, you know, having a shut down defense. Should they be able to shut down the Jets? Probably. But, you know, if you're in that game with Kansas City, you better, I think your best bet is to have a defense that is looking to create turnovers because you're not going to be able to stop them all day. You simply just, the, the, the rules are set up such that the talent, even if it's equal, it's never going to be fair to the defense um, because we we as human beings and football fans want to see scoring, and that's what the league has built itself towards. So you're going to have to build a defense that does something different, that accepts that, okay, we're going to give up yards, we're going to try and limit points, and more importantly, we're going to try and make turnovers. And I think that's the kind of defense that they're doing. So I think it could definitely go up and down. It's certainly fair to have question marks. They, they have put some absolute turds up this year, just like they did last year. But I think that might just be part and parcel of defenses and if this the approach to the wide receivers um this year getting faster uh getting guys who work with allen is the idea and you're looking to actually score more points then maybe it'll work that's a lot of maybes that's a lot of stuff down the field so we don't have to you know argue about whether that is the case or isn't the case right now um the game to me was frustrating um Allen didn't i don't want to say Allen improved every week i don't necessarily think alan looked better this week than last week but he didn't look demonstrably worse um <laughs> i feel like his though, interception- though is
1: there a victory in us saying well he didn't look demonstrably worse and that's you know that's the good debate i, the, uh, I was on uh, for some of you know i was on bills and beers this past Week and got off the air. They asked me, "Okay, you have to categorize Josh Allen's game as good or bad. You can't do anything in between. What do you say?" And I struggled with it for a while. And I said he didn't have a good game because I noted the three turnovers as Mm -hmm. my primary logic. And then I went back and listened Mm -hmm. to their whole podcast. They were really dropping f bombs in this debate. They were throwing each other's on whether it was a good or bad game. So it's kind of interesting. Like it wasn't really either good or bad. You know, it was right. Uh, you know, the question is you post, Frank, and then I'll shut up. And now you continue is, you know, is is he going to continue making this progression?
0: And is this, uh, you know,
1: was this part of the progression or was this a bad game?
0: I, yes. And I want to put it this way and then we'll we'll move on. I weigh myself every day. Every morning I weigh myself in the morning because if I don't, then I just forget to and then and then I end up like you know have much heavier than i want to be and what you have to do when you weigh yourself every day this this ties in is realize that you know between water weight and what you ate last night and when the last time you pooped was it's going to go up even if you're on a steady down even if you're losing weight even if you're going in the direction you want to go it's going to have a little bit of variance from day to day it's going to go up a little it's going to go down a little then it's going to go up a little more but a little not as much as last time and then down a little more and so in that way, that's why I don't really care if Josh Allen, like on Sunday, had a better game than he did the Sunday before. Because the idea is that improvement isn't a straight line anyway. It's going to go up and down a little. There's going to be variance. And the real question is: by the end of the year and then into next year, can we figure out you know who this guy is? Um, but that certainly is a question mark. I don't want to close the book on it. Um, any, any more than I want to open the book on it. It's just the book is there and it's, <laughs> it's sitting the way it's sitting and it can sit there a little bit longer, especially now that the season's over. And thank you. Uh, I hope uh, you, we talked before the show, you said you had a nice time on Bill's beers. We're very happy that they had us and we'd like to thank all three of their listeners that came over from that podcast to this podcast.
1: So, right. And we got a fourth one during this podcast. So there you go. Yeah.
0: So we're just, we're just, you know, Expand in the base, guys. Uh, yeah. Anyway, can we let, – let's three stars this game and, and, and sure, get that well, a we, lot of here.
1: We, we, we did ignore special teams, and as much as I want to ignore special yes, teams – we right. talk about special teams. Right.
0: Really? Okay. They're I mean, terrible. none of us
1: want to, but it's one of those where there's kind of an obligation because it they're, was
0: – They're terrible, and Danny Crossman's going to lose his job at the end of the year. Like, end of the story.
1: All right. That's Frank Scott, where's your – I know. I know.
2: I mean, okay. So – I have a question then, Frank, how much do you put of it on McDermott for hiring a bunch of, and Bean for bringing a bunch of guys who play special teams only,
0: and the team still being this bad on special teams? I put a fair amount of it. Like whatever the fair amount is like, I don't know. I, to <laughs> me, special team, look, they, they've had some issues with special teams, right? We can definitely say like losing the punter to injury and then replacing him. I think that has affected the kicking game because he's the holder. And you know, that's one tiny part of it. Um, but I don't know, like special teams. What do I, how do I want to say this? If they had a better offense, special teams wouldn't matter as much. That's my, that's what I want. I want them to have a good offense because then if they have a good offense, the special teams don't matter as much.
1: Well, that's true but when you when you when the defense is in a position where okay good luck you're going to go out and start this drive by the way they're at our 7 and it will be first and goal when you take the field as happened to them during the game on
0: yeah that's a, an exceptional circumstance even for this terrible special team. they still managed to kick the ball down the field more often than not and I, you just you're going to miss less field goals if you're taking less field goals because you're scoring more touchdowns so like on the list of, you, um, you know what? I, I guess I, I'm, I'm being pissy on this and I'm sorry. I, let, me, let me put <laughs> this it this just way. This makes
1: for good broadcasting. We let can me, be as pissy as we want.
0: Like did special teams cost them this game? Sure, let's just say it did. Let, did special teams cost them last week? Sure. Is special, special teams, teams gonna cost them, cost them the, the Super Bowl season? Twenty-five, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, it's special team. Is special teams? Special teams reason... cost them the playoff game
1: against Tennessee in '99. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Well, bad officiating in '99. Yes. Um, is special teams the reason they're a bad football team? No, it's not. It's like it's like the it's like the if the if the banana is bad in the banana split Sunday. And the ice cream's bad. The fact that the cherry and the whipped cream is also sour, isn't really the point to me. That's my and and please, I will let both of you or either of you have the last word on this because I've I've said my piece on special teams.
2: I feel like Paul, uh, you're over to you.
0: Yeah, I will. uh, I'll be quick on this. I think
1: one thing which stood out, which I thought of, you cut a bunch of players. Well, you you had a bunch of roster changes the past week. Holmes, your special teams leader, more than 70% of snaps off the roster. And when you have a team that doesn't have much depth because you have 90 or excuse me, 70 million dollars in dead cap money, then you're gonna have to have a lot of guys on special teams who are your bottom-of-the-barrel guys. And that really showed. And so that could be encouraging that once they build more depth, it will help. But because a lot of the players I watched some of the film on this, they were doing what they call funneling, where the players on the ends on kick returns were just going to the middle of the field. And that's got to, you know, that should never happen. That should be fixed. The concerns with, you know, Hauschka, you know, hip injuries, short kickoffs, you know, kickers can go. Remember, we loved Dan Carpenter. He was the man. We loved Ryan Lindell before him. He was the man. And when they hit the wall, they hit the wall. And that was it and their careers were over. So I just want to make sure that hopefully Hauschka's hip injury doesn't derail him too much. But special teams does become a big concern. And, yes, I think it will get better as they build more roster depth. I did note they had a penalty on special teams on Jordan Porter on a kick return, which I remember back in the days when the Bills gave up multiple touchdowns to, I think it was Chad Morton of the Jets in the same game, including a walk-off kickoff return in overtime. After that, uh, if the kickoff mattered, they would put Antoine Winfield and Nate Clements on kick coverage so the Bills can kind of do that for important kickoffs and have Trey White and Poyer and Hyde covering guys who can actually tackle on the field. But, eh, you know, I do worry about special teams long-term because these are these mistakes have not cleaned themselves up uh, this year, and it will cost some games in the future if, if they don't clean them up.
0: All right. Three stars.
2: Okay. So we will start three stars i don't think there's any honorable mentions in this game because literally no one was <laughs> there was like- no honor.
1: Yeah, five four good players in this game. That is a tall order. It
2: is like it's not. It, I'm looking at at the stats here. There's not a lot of people I'm super confident about.
1: Yeah, like they, I even thought, like oh, you could start with <laughs> some like Jets offensive lineman because they did so well in pass protection. But the Jets also did nothing in the running game because yeah. their linemen couldn't block. So you can't give it to a Jets lineman. The Bills got dominating the trenches. So then you're looking at the stat sheet, and yeah, good, I'm glad this is your segment because I mm-hmm. I got nothing.
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna start uh, three stars. I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with Sam Darnold, 16 to 24, 170 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Certainly not typical three star material. I think we <laughs> could say that fairly confidently. Um, did have a couple nice throws on the last drive that i think and one nice throw on i think the third touch the, i forget it was the second touchdown that they scored or yeah i think it was the second touchdown they scored the first one in the fourth quarter where he was buying all that yeah and he got away from
1: kyle williams and then yeah that was a good i said on twitter what do you do on that play you you played it fine but he just made a great play
2: yeah so that play the nice throw to robbie anderson who is our second star Four catches, seventy-six yards, and a touchdown. Um, obviously, for the big catch on the the drive uh, on the the game-winning touchdown, as it turned out, um, that was him, right? Yes, correct. Yes, and then, but then also on the drive leading down there, the great over-the-shoulder throw from Darnold with a nice catch from Robbie Anderson um, on that. And and again, like enough, uh, you know, I don't want to say he's a great wide receiver. And again, those are not like typical, you know, three-star statistics, but. You got to take what you can get in this game. So I give, I give a uh, first start of Robert Foster. Why not? Seven catches, right. 104 yards. Um, again, like we were kind of Paul mentioned earlier and I, I seconded, I, I you know, who knows what, you know, I, there might be a little something here. You know, we've kind of, um, been, um, disappointed with the lack of, uh, whatchamacallit, the lack of, uh, yeah. yes, the rec- lack of receiver depth. Um, and I think this shows that maybe there's something there. Oh, and I was also going to say the lack of offensive skill position or really offensive talent that the front mm-hmm. office has acquired to a certain extent. And that really <clears throat> Zay Jones has been about the best guy we've gotten um, and maybe Robert, Foster, maybe Robert Foster is kind of getting more in that conversation. It's still early. Obviously, again, we've seen flashes in the pan be, before, but he's had some nice games here, so let's give him a chance, and hopefully he's somebody who can, who can, you know, again, like he's already kind of at that, he's clearly at that bottom of, you know, that number four or five receiver um, level. Um, now it's a question of whether he's going to take on a bigger role and to kind of get to that number two or three role where Zay maybe moves into the slot, and that's a little better for him, and then, Maybe even, you know, I ideally you would want him to take over the number one role. That's obviously going to be asking a lot. But uh hopefully there's more more for him in the future. So um those are your your three three stars.
0: Is there a chance that Robert Foster is just good because of how terrible everything else is? <laughs> I would
1: say that, but you could then why didn't Calvin Benjamin get good or Terrell Pryor or the others? I mean Foster is an and why isn't Ray Ray McLeod able to find the field? He had one offensive snap when literally both McKenzie and Foster got hurt I think I do like Robert Robert Foster so far even if he does just end up being a four or five guy say he's a four McKenzie's a five and Zay Jones is your two then in the offseason you're hunting for a one and a three which don't get me wrong is not easy but I really felt like okay they need a one two four and a five going into the offseason so now I'm a little more at ease with them and I, I, I think Foster, that deep speed is – look at Beebe. He was never a great receiver, but he had great deep speed, and that opened things up underneath for Andre Reed and Lofton and then later Bill Brooks. So I would love if he were the next coming of Don Beebe. That would be totally fine with me.
0: Yes.
2: He was a talented guy too. Like, out of high school, yep. he was a high, he was a high uh, recruit and then went to Alabama. And then, obviously, good receivers in Alabama that he was there, you know, playing under Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper – all guys who had been, you know, obviously first round draft picks, you know, big names in the NFL at this point. So getting playing time behind those guys is not easy anyway. And then there's been, I guess, some questions about motivation. It sounds like, you know,
0: his, his demotion early this year may have
2: perked him up. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that's, that's all someone needed.
0: Quick update for you Patrick Mahomes, touchdowns 43, interceptions 11. Does that count tonight where he's thrown for two touchdowns? No. 45, (laughs) 43, 43 hundred yards.
2: I I know because he's on my fantasy team and I I enjoyed every one of them.
0: I won't name drop the Twitter person that tweeted at me a a list of reasons how we didn't know Josh Allen wasn't going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes. Not going to say that, (laughs) but someone on there gave me a lot of grief for pointing out how terrible it was that we passed on Matt Patrick Mahomes. It's pretty terrible that we passed on Mahomes. This is a good. Farms.
1: I have I have a series of discussions that could be good off-season discussions, and the Mahomes one is a good one because you think on the on the one side, of Mahomes, look what he's doing. He's got you know nine of fourteen tonight for two touchdowns to add to what Frank just said. But he also he had a year to sit back and learn the system from the simultaneously underrated and overrated Alex Smith. And you know, then he gets Andy Reid in his corner to help him out. And he has a lot of a ton of talent around if they can cut Kareem Hunt and then Williams comes out tonight and already has forty-eight yards receiving alone. Uh, and the Bills just don't have that kind of tight and a first round pick the next year, so they have to leverage to get Al in discussion because we can also say it's Patrick frickin' Mahomes that you passed on.
0: So Yeah. Um no i i you can say all those things that you want that's not the point. the point is that like he would be better than anybody else um so the matt milano's done which was sad he's done for the year broken fibula mm-hmm. um and i hope he recovers speaking of alex smith i mean that's a scary story that yeah. like, his career might be over i have not read anything about him possibly like I've only seen career-threatening. I haven't seen life-threatening. Right, but,
1: like, but the huge concern there, of course, is we haven't heard much, if anything, which means, remember, for those of you who are hockey fans, this is our podcast, which is probably zero of you, but Kyle Okposo of the Sabres had kind of a mystery injury, and he ended yeah. up like really life-threatening stuff. So, you know, these, these sometimes when things are too quiet like this, I do worry about the player overall, but we'll right. see
0: but that doesn't seem to be Milano. Like he doesn't, I, right. I don't think he had the nearly the same level of break and he's just sort of done for the year. Um, how so should, you
1: hope he can recover from it because it is a broken fibula still and they need yeah. him to be the player he was this year, you know, next yes, year for the next decade.
0: They do. He's an excellent young talent and he was definitely part of the, you know, a really kind of special linebacker. Like he sort of, he sort of played really well. I think that he sort of, we all know he's good, but I don't. I, I still don't know that he's quite getting the props that he should. Um, How should hit from behind on a, on a field goal attempt um, or failed field goal attempt, and uh, and you know just a dirty hit. Period. I don't, have, have we received any word of whether that player has been fined or if there's been any discipline or anything? Yes. I haven't seen anything
1: none that i've seen you know i was upset about because i actually tweeted at the player who m- had the dirty hit
0: you did you uh, name drop uh, i didn't that's rare for me to do and the but, bills, uh, bills themselves on their official twitter just had like dirty hit man or un- not cool and they had a pic- they had the gif of hauschka getting hit yeah. so which is a, another pretty aggressive move yeah, Banderson um,
1: tried to defend, said, oh, it's just because I'm so much bigger than him. You know, it's I hit him more from the side. I didn't extend my arm. I really could have plowed him. But it was all, he was on the Pat McAfee show. But it was it was clearly BS because he still drilled a guy from behind who was, you know, he said, well, Houshka may have been able to make a play. And I'm like, did you see what he tried to do with the slide tackle? Houshka was, was not going to make a play.
2: He was, he was like walking. He wasn't yes. even trying to make the play.
0: Right. right. He uh, so his hip is sore, although my understanding is that he's gonna play on Sunday. There that is. doesn't. So anything. we didn't
1: practice yesterday. I don't know if he right. practiced today, so we'll keep um, on, on it.
0: But they I, I think earlier look, it's Thursday. As of this recording, it's Thursday. You need to kick her in here now if if you if he's not gonna play. So I feel like that he's gonna who knows, maybe they'll be more aggressive on offense and it'll be kind of fun for us, you know, in an experimental way. Um and Teron Johnson also on the IR. And yep. Paul Paul, who does who does our agendas so well, his note is that all the running backs are apparently dead. <laughs> um, with I, I would suppose Lashawn McCoy in the in the weekend at Bernie's role, like, you know, pretending yes. he's still alive. Um, but you know,
1: I think that's basically how he's functioned this year. I think it's really Jonathan Silverman and another guy, like, hoisting LaShawn McCoy through holes. And that's why he's only getting like one or two yards carry.
0: It's a pretty um it's a pretty tough and we should talk about it now i mean it's in, it's here. Yeah. how much is this, is this o-line how much is him um obviously it's probably some of both but you know then you look at chris ivory who's been effective it's not really fair to compare allen to him because allen's in a different position when he runs He's oh, yeah. generally, there's an open field and he just takes advantage of the yardage that's in front of him versus, you know, McCoy's never going to have that. He had one excellent run against the Jets and, and really that's been it through 12 weeks, 13 weeks. Um, yeah, but the And the only other noi- note, and then we'll, we'll turn to Scott on this, um, is that, you know, Bean has been clear in his statements that, you know, McCoy is part of the future next year and he plans on being here which, you know, nice vote of confidence for a guy who's having a tough year. Um, what do you think of that, Scott? And what do you think of this? The, I don't,
2: the I don't know. Back? I don't, I don't know how we can, I mean, getting, you know, I'll steal one of Frank's talking points in the modern NFL. <laughs> I don't know how you can spend the kind of money that we're spending on a, on a, frankly, on a wide on a running back. Yeah. Um, even as one as talented as LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I think you're taking a risk when you do that. I think we had some nice years with him and he's a great player. You know, I don't want to call him a definite hall of famer, but he's certainly on the borderline. He's up there in the career yardage numbers. He's a great player. He's a very, you know, in his prime, there's, you know, there, there was, I don't, I'm not sure there was a better running back in the league, but at the same time, this is not, we're not seeing the a game. We're not seeing the, we're not seeing what we saw before. There's a there's a lot of shake. There's not as much bake. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm gonna make it a thing. Like it's not the the proof is not in the pudding. That's the 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 um the what is the thing that rises? The yeast. I don't know, uh, they're
1: all sounding like uh, no, the know, dessert. Masturbation double entendre term. Oh, the
0: souffle. The <laughs> souffle is not
2: rising. Like that's the issue. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> Approved.
2: Um. This is a ridiculous catch by Keenan Allen, if you guys aren't watching
1: right now. Yeah, but so, i got the game on. It was uh, ridiculous. going
2: uh, kill So I'm not sh- So uh, both of those reasons, and then the third reason of, again, I get worried about the culture thing, where I'm worried that Bean and McDermott are making decisions based off the fact that LaShawn McCoy is a, I don't call him a good guy, um, <laughs> a guy a guy who they like having on the team because he says the right things in the locker room or because he he practices well. I mean, I you know, I'm not sure that i I'm when they start talking about things like that in those kind of rules they they're very rare, I feel like, to give any kind of I mean, admittedly, they get asked about McCoy more than probably other guys because he isn't Lashawn McCoy. but I don't hear them talking about that like other players to a certain extent. Um, and so it's a little concerning. That like they don't say that about, you know, who, you know, other guys. Certainly guys, if you again, if you look around at who's been on the team long enough, it has not been that many guys who are around as long as LaShawn has at this point. So I think it's concerning that they feel like they're committed to him. Could there be a role for him on the team next year? Maybe. I don't want to say this is entirely on him, but I would also say, um well, they just did it again. Um they I think the thing is is I think it is partly on him. There could be a role for him as in like a scat back kind of role where he's catching the ball out of a backfield a lot. I think that would be valuable and useful. I'm not sure that we need to pay someone what we're going to be paying in next year. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have his cap number in
0: front of me. Uh, Yeah, I pulled it up for you. Yeah. Uh, So he, the good news is next year is his last year under contract. Right. His base salary is 6.175. His signing bonus is (laughs) 2.65. It says the twenty nineteen post June one dead cap number is two point six two five. His cap hit is nine million next year. So, which I guess would be the six.
1: So you're saving six and a half million if you cut him. Basically, is the, the short right? Because
0: there's this workout bonus and there's this his base salary. So you could just cut him next year and pay the two point six five million, which is really kind of nothing compared to the over. You know, since he's already fifty million
2: dollar cap.
0: Right. And there, there would be no carryover, I would think, for 2020. So you could just sort of give him his two and a half million and, and let him, you know, pursue another team. That said, you are so far under the cap next year that depending on like, look, obviously that six million dollars might go really well to somebody else. But what you have to remember about that is you have it's no use to just give it to somebody else. You've got to find somebody worth it. And so they, the bills could be looking at it saying like, well, if we need that $6 million, like we could probably, you know, we'll, we'll cut him and, and take somebody else. But if we're not gonna, we might as well keep him, keep the guys on the team happy. Maybe, he, maybe there's some sort of role for him and we can, we can, we don't have to stress about it now. Um, Paul, do you have a, a, a please react to. the yeah, and-
1: yeah. I won't go on too long. Cause you guys have covered a lot of the good salient points on this. It's, it's a good time, and we've talked about discussing this for weeks, and this seemed like a good week to do it. And I vacillated on this for weeks. Like there's some weeks I think, like, oh, he's done, and then the next week he'll make some plays. I'm like, oh, he's still got that burst. And on the on the plus side for McCoy, he had a, a great catch in the open field against Miami, uh, shaked and baked a guy, which guys know he's lost a <laughs> bit of debate this year, but he did both and got to the sideline before the two-minute warning. So he's he's still able to make guys miss in open space. The Bills, by every metric, are the worst offensive line in terms of run opening up and in the run game, in terms of opening up gaps. A lot of you've unanticipatedly lost two Pro Bowl interior linemen in the offseason. You know, that's going to hurt. So, all of those are factors which say, okay, maybe it's not all is lost with LaShawn. Uh, but you got to talk about his age. You know, it's going to be 31 years old going into next season. You also have to talk about the fact that there are clear moments where he does have at least a small hole and he doesn't, you know, he's not getting through it. He doesn't have that same moves he did last year. So, you know, I'm interested to see what the team does. I have really almost no issue. I shouldn't say no issue because the bills can screw anything up, but I, I see I can be happy in scenarios where he is and where he is not on the team next season. If you know, you improve the lineup front and you draft a running back somewhere in a middle round or even a second or third round for the running back of the future sort of deal, and McCoy has a, you know, eight, 900, hey, even a thousand plus yards next year, which is not unheard of. He did it last year. You know, then I'm, I'm okay with having him on the roster and the cap hit well bad is not a big deal because it's really the last year of it and the Bills have a ton of cap space next year. On the other side, if they want to, and I mentioned Le'Veon Bell, which I think is not a ridiculous idea, but I think it's a bad idea if the Bills were to pursue Bell. Um, you know, that's an option if they want to try and get a superstar. If you're going to go get someone in the offseason who you think is going to be your starter next year, you can have McCaw on the team and keep him for depth, and I'm fine with it. You can also say this saves us $6.5 million, so let's move on from him. I do think he's probably – uh, step the question is how much of one and i think we're not really going to know until the the offensive line gets better so hey we, we may never actually find out
0: yeah for me Le'Veon bell i i already feel like we're too invested in running back and so to me like the idea of pursuing him i'd rather just you know much like we have with wide receivers this year um explore just cheap options like Honestly, like if they take a second or third round pick and use it on a running back, I'm okay with that. I, I don't hate that idea. Next year, I don't want them to, you know, take sixth overall. But I feel like that there's so much, you know, fast. they need
1: receivers and they need linemen too. So right, and I that, definitely want to see it sixth overall.
0: Yeah, and I think your your value at running back is in pass catching now. Anyway, it's not you know you, otherwise you can get Chris Ivory to do a halfway decent job for you. And you know, pull him literally off the Jets' scrappy. So, I'd rather do like that at running back for a little while, rather than go and chase Le'Veon Bell, who undoubtedly is very good, especially when he wants to play. But you know, also there, like to me, there's like there's almost no chance that Le'Veon Bell is a you know quote unquote McDermott type of player. So there is that as well. It
2: seems like that's a tough sell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and. Uh, Okay, are we? do we feel comfortable with that conference? Do we want to go to Facebook and Twitter and this day in yeah, Bill's yeah, history? Yeah, I
1: think we cover a lot of the McCoy stuff, and I think we I think we hit all the, the high points. I think it'll be one of those that's going to seep into our discussion every week based on how he's played the previous week, or in this case, if he's played the previous
0: week. I was looking, and it doesn't seem that that there is a difference in the pre- and post-June one June 1 thing for McCoy, because all of his money is due next year anyway. Right, so although
1: sometimes over the cap does – update it later on. So there might be a difference, but we just don't see it. But we'll we'll find yeah. out.
0: I was reading their article briefly about how that works. And I to be honest, I, I didn't read it closely enough, but it doesn't seem like it would really the point is like next year's the last year paying you're paying LaShawn McCoy either way. Um Scott did the, the fancy thing on Facebook where you make a picture and then write in the picture. And I don't know how you do that, but I'm very impressed with your tech savvy um Scott for giving us the Picture wording post um, that he asked you know should the bills just run a read option with Josh Allen and Brian says it does take advantage of his most mobility so yes for the rest of the season but he wouldn't want it to see it as a gimmick for the rest of the year um, if you'd like to or for the rest of the you know their tenure in Buffalo rather. Um, If you would like to engage with Brian on Facebook and our other awesome Facebookers, you can go to facebook.com slash bbillsmny. That's B-B-I-L-L-S-M-N-Y. And you can, you know, add that. You can like our page and follow it. And we post our podcast there and little comments and pictures. And we just have a grand old time. Um and that's that twitter.com slash bbillsmny is where you can engage with paul during the game and sometimes during the week so would you did you have anything uh,
1: yeah we had one on twitter we didn't have any follow-up to the ask me questions but there was one i had commented during the game that uh, or after the game as i was interested in getting your guys reaction to this Mm -hmm. on how LaShawn mccoy and trey white cleared out of the locker room before talking to reporters and i mentioned that it was you no, know, disappointing that they didn't stand up and answer questions, and that can set a bad precedent from your leaders. And mm-hmm. our old buddy Shapes, uh, wholesome LARPer, did, replied in disagreement, and I, I like disagreement. He said, speaking inauthentic platitudes to press is very nonessential in taking ownership over those you lead. Mm-hmm. You lead by performing and an absence of performance by being authentic to those directly affected in your organization behind closed doors. Now, I responded to that. You know, there's merit in that point. However, I disagree Is one of the things players must navigate is a scrutiny of being a pro athlete and how much that affects your mindset and, in turn, your performance. As such, you need leaders who embody accountability and own up on bad days. So hmm. I, this is just kind of a long-winded way of asking for you guys, am I a little overreacting to the fact that I'm not happy with White and McCoy for skipping uh, the post-game conversations, or do you think it's like, that it happens some weeks?
0: Uh, you. To me, you sound a little like you, you might be on your porch looking at kids on the lawn. I don't know that you've actually stood up and yelled yeah. at them to get off the lawn yet, but you're. No, but you're,
1: I'm, I'm saying it with my glare at the very you got place. a real stink he's, guy
2: here. He's, he's glanced over at the cane that's, that's yeah. kind of lying askance a, a on the, the, the rocking chair. And yeah. He, they, he's looking it up.
0: They had bad but, days, and they certainly probably should have spoken because uh, typically you don't speak to everybody every week. I'd be more concerned if they're, I'm more concerned when you do the half-assed. Um, I'm more concerned when you do a half-assed interview. Right, I'm, just, you, the, the the TL, I'm just
1: going with the plays that are called sort of that like, kind of
0: thing is yeah. really bad. I'd be more, more concerned if, you know, look, Trey White is an excellent cornerback, and he had a bad quarter, and he's a rookie, and so I think he's allowed to second year, re- yeah, second year. Sorry, he had that last year. Remember, he had a bad game last year, yeah, against he, the
1: Bengals, you know?
0: and and he sort of got really angry and came back and was like super emotional about it, and so I think that that's kind of how he deals with his bad games, and I'm not too worried about it so long as he keeps having good games and doesn't hurt other people myself. But Scott, I mean, if you want to. You know. I don't.
2: I don't have a. I mean, obviously, this is not something to super get bent out of shape about. But I. I, I do want to. I would say, to me, it's tough to take any one stance when any one incident out of too much context. If it was a regular thing where our highest paid and best play and best players were not going in front of the media to talk about what happened during the game, I feel like I would start getting a little concerned about exactly. You know, like again, I don't feel like. You know, I. Part of me does kind. Of, I don't want to. I, it feels weird to say it, but I, because obviously, like I don't, I don't watch. I don't pay the tickets. I kind of watch here and there. I do pay for NFL game NFL Game Pass, so I guess or we we do or you buy a couple
0: shirts. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. So I, but I'm I'm not like a super fan, but I feel like there are people out there who do want to know like what's going on with the team, and they are not. They didn't have to. You know, they're not a not to like get super downer, I'll try and find a slightly less down example. Like they're, they're not the cop who has to go back to the police station and explain, Oh yeah, that armed robber. I let him get away. He beat me uh, to the, he beat me to the corner. He jumped over a fence. By the time I got over the fence, he got away. So that guy might go out there and rob somebody else. Guys. I kind of blew it. So sorry. Like that's a tough conversation to have. I didn't play the football game well today. Let's just, let just, you know, that's something that we can all kind of understand and deal with. And if you're not, you know, I think it's, I think it lacks, a, I don't want to say lacks maturity, but it lacks a little bit of perspective about the importance of what's going on. And I understand it's very important for them and they get paid a lot of money to do that. But the part of the reason they get paid money to do it is because they are operating in this pressure filled, media rich environment and they have a role to play in that on a kind of big level. So anyone performing anyone like not no show, I'm not gonna get too fed up of. But if it does happen consistently, then it's kind of like, come on guys, like what are we doing here? Like this is a football game. There you go. That's discussions. Do 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 what do you guys think about running the read option with Josh Allen
1: the rest of the season?
2: Or at least or as just, you know, the offense.
0: I think that for the rest of the year, I'm... I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul.
1: No, I was going to say, yeah, on board with it, you've got, you know, you not only that, not only do you have the fake inside of McCoy, do read option, you've got McKenzie, who can be a part of that as well, yeah. so that's how they've got that third threat element between McCoy, Allen, and McKenzie. I seriously
2: consider putting in there, let's just run the Army triple option, let's yeah. just run wingback, like, let's go full, That'd be fun. full nine yards,
0: like, at this point that'd be really kind of fun i'd like to see that just i mean
2: at this point that is sort of the offense for running it's just that we're not calling it that because (laughs) it is josh allen running 10 plays it's 20 handoffs and then a bunch of admittedly we do throw it more than army and navy do but there's a bunch of kind of 50 percent (laughs) uh, completion rate on some moderate and deep long passes like that's that's basically their offense
0: I am four yards and whatever gets them. <laughs> and so I I really like I like I made clear earlier. I like until there's a reason for him not to run, I don't really care that he's running more than passing. I, I don't So the care.
2: injury thing is not it for you.
0: Well, I from what I understand that there is there is no discernible difference between running quarterbacks and pocket passing quarterbacks getting injured. Like they they get smashed in the, like his position gets smashed all the time anyway. So, you know, you're right, liable. Yeah. To- I
1: mean, that if he weren't scrambling and running and then getting hit, he'd just be getting sacked anyway. Right. Still be getting I, hit just behind the line of scrimmage.
0: I guess I can understand the intuitive thought that you don't want him to get used to the idea of bailing on a play, because I think ultimately that probably will hurt you, but he's not just taking off and running. He is running to get himself open and throw a lot too. And when there's 10 or 15 yards in front of you, like, that's fine. Like then you should be taking that. You should always take 10 to 15 yards, you know, like maybe if you'd stuck with it, you'd have a chance for 25 yards passing, but like take the 15 yards now. Like that's a lot. That's a big chunk. So, I mean, I you know. guess
2: I guess I would quibble with you there because I feel like if you're designing an offense that is supposed to have some sophistication to it, yeah. you are setting things up. You are trying to cash in on certain plays. And yeah, certain works and, okay. and and things. And if you're and if you're not letting those things play out, then you're not ex then you're then the you're you've lost the opportunity cost because if you're building it's like when you're doing the you do the dive with the jet sweep motion. Mm-hmm. At some point you hit him with that jet sweep motion because you set him up the whole for, whole game for it, and you need to cash in on that, otherwise the effectiveness of all those two and three yard up the guts with just the motion behind it isn't as big. So when you have those big hits built in, he has to know when to do those. Now, obviously we don't know the play calls, but I think that's what you're, and again, that's obviously different than a read option offense to a certain extent. Yes. It is. In terms yeah. of his mental process, he needs to understand enough of what they're trying to, the philosophy of the offense and how it's affecting the defense that when you're hitting those big plays down the field or those, You're doing those key routes that get people open. The defense realizes they have to adjust what they're doing. That's how the offense keeps moving, because if you're not hitting those, then you're not going to have 15-yard running lanes.
0: You're going to have 10-yard
2: running lanes. You're going to have 5-yard
0: running lanes, and then you're not going to have any running. Well, my problem is, uh, yes, I would just say because you said the philosophy of the offense. Right now, the philosophy of the offense is a bit of a Cartesian doubting system when it comes to skill and talent and an offensive line. And so, you know, by all means, Josh Allen, scramble from the demon that could be torturing you because, you know, (laughs) if you're going to get creamed, get creamed 15 yards down the field as opposed to creamed like in the pocket
2: this This year. uh, uh, (laughs) and, And there you go. Maybe
0: not that I want to put Descartes maybe before next the philosoph-
2: Maybe, yes, maybe next philosophical. I mean, philosophical.
0: we haven't brought up
1: Descart- Descartes on a podcast in at least like two weeks. <laughs> at least, so I mean, weeks. we were due. Yeah.
0: if he played for the Broncos, <laughs> you could say you could put Descartes before the horse, but I i don't really like there's a joke there, and I just can't really make it. I don't it's know,
1: not right? We all have your book of Jake Plummer puns. This about the
2: podcast,
1: shows, so yeah, yeah, if you stop like the,
0: mean, the stop podcast. Making- Right. <laughs> you for five right. minutes,
2: Frank will come up with a joke yeah. and then we'll get back to you. All That's right. Franco right? right right now just I stand
0: like behind. six that have Frank.
1: reoccurred to him that he hasn't thought of in years.
0: Yeah, donate to my Patreon and I'll come up with a Descartes joke for you. Um yeah. maybe next platonic form. Um the let's get let's get to the good stuff though. The uh, <laughs> this day in Bill's headlines now a uh, a syndicated column, I suppose, yes. appearing on multiple podcasts.
2: Syndicated got, segment. I, yeah,
1: I got the same uh, same royalties from from Dills and Beers as I do from you guys. Uh, That's good on, on that podcast. So
0: that makes me feel better.
1: So, uh, so all right, let's uh, let's knock right into this day and Bills headlines. We've got uh, it's like nine, nine, maybe even ten. So this should be should be good. We'll move it along, and I think you know again we'll start off easy with the most recent and work our way to the harder ones. So. I don't want to say this one is easy, but uh, I think you guys can get this one. All right. So we're going to go back to 2017, December 13th of 2017. Blank takes over starting week side linebacker role for Bills. Says Leslie Frazier. We inserted him in the starting lineup Sunday, and he did a terrific job. We plan on, barring anything happening this week in practice, him starting against our next opponent, Miami. Is Matt that
0: Milano. Matt Milano? Matt Milano. Well done. All right. Man. In chorus.
1: Yep. So that's credit to each of you. So this one, okay, this was a game back in 2015. The Eagles beat the Bills 23-20 on a Mm -hmm. Caleb Sturgis game-winning field goal with three minutes left. The challenge on this, I'm going to say, just go ahead, just both of you together, name any five players in this game who had played or would play for the other team at some point. And if you think that's too much of a challenge, asking for five players is less than half of the players that you could name. Wow, okay. Okay.
0: So Ronald...
1: Darby, Ronald right? Ronald Darby is one.
0: Um, Kiko
2: Alonso.
1: Kiko Alonso is two.
2: Lashawn McCoy. Lashawn
1: McCoy is three.
2: Uh, Jordan, Jordan Matthews.
1: Jordan Matthews is four. And what was that, Scott?
2: Jason Peters.
1: Jason Peters is five. You guys just knocked that out of the park really quickly. Who else want, is it, you, here are the can... other. Here are the other six. Two two bills were hurt and did not play, uh, but they. I'm counting them anyway. Nigel Bradham and Ron mm-hmm. Brooks.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then
1: yeah. long snapper John Dornbos. You probably. Yes. Don't remember. Oh, you do. Yes. Remember oh, that?
2: absolutely. I yeah. think he's a Wisconsin guy.
1: If yeah. I'm Not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Leodis McKelvin, of course. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Corey Graham, who's still with the Eagles to this day. Wow. Okay. And I think the one that I didn't know before I went into into this Cedric Thornton, who played for the Bills uh, last season. At, at points was one that it might have even been earlier this season. He was with the team. So basically, eleven. Pl- their
2: entire secondary. Is basically- yes.
1: This was what happens when, because uh, remember, it's the Jim Schwartz connection. He's like, I'm going to take Brooks and Bradham and Graham and trade for Darby, and you know, yeah, that'll be yeah, that yeah. good.
2: I remember that, yeah.
1: All right, well done. 2014, injured Bills safety blank out versus Packers. It says he has 47 tackles, three picks, and one forced fumble and 11 starts this season.
2: 2014. So you're
1: looking for an injured Bills safety, and I will give you the. Not even a hint, so much as a stall technique for you guys to maybe come upon a name, because he was hurt. Bakari Rambo started this game and had the best game of his career, bar none, where he intercepted uh, Rodgers yeah. twice. Yeah. you right.
0: Remember that. Yeah. So who was the Who was the original safety, though? Yeah.
2: Who did he Who did he, Wally Pipp?
0: This is a name that you'll know. You'll know the name for
1: sure, but he's not one of those top of mind guys that comes up when you think of the safety position. Even though mm-hmm. I think he was on the team for at least four years, maybe more. Mm, this is way wow. after
0: Jabrari yep. oh, Greer. Yep, Coach Greer. Got it. I like. I felt like I almost had like a like a Bills. He, he safety, currently
1: but. plays. Oh, shocking! He currently plays for the Carolina Panthers. Of mm. course, they all end up being Panthers or Eagles at some point. Played yeah. with the Bills from 2011 to 2014, four years. Then went to Tennessee. Now with Carolina.
2: 2014. Tennessee. Oh man! I, don't I remember know. a big oh, high recovery pickup.
1: All right, my last clue, and then I'll just give you the answer. He had a big fumble recovery. I remember against the Patriots, which he just picked up at like the 20. Sam the Adams. That, oh, that no. was a good. Guess. No, no, oh, sorry. Players, no. Uh, oh no! It DeNoris DeNoris Circe.
2: DeNoris Searcy, yes. He
0: was yes. there forever, and I never the thought role about player.
2: it. The player, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, we're all role
2: players. DeNoris, don't take any of it
1: you're the duke williams of your year 2014. <laughs> all right 2012 this one will be eh, tough i'm mean, just what i this one would be tougher but his name came up last week so let's see if you can get it. 2012 just call him inactive blank blank said this has been the most frustrating season of his career the bills are paying him 1.7 million this season to be the third string quarterback to carry a clipboard this Sunday in Toronto, he'll almost surely be inactive against his former team, the Seahawks. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Oh, good guess. He was twenty thirteen though. This is twenty twelve. He was part of uh, one of our trivia questions last. Oh, week. Tavares Jackson. Tavares yeah, Jackson. Yes, that, yeah. yeah. You didn't even. The, and the reason they had the headline "Inactive Jackson" is for those of us who remember uh-huh. the action film "Action Jackson." Yeah. Uh, didn't, mm-hmm. mean. All right, twenty eleven. Bill's defensive lineman Blank tells AP he'll have back surgery. As he told the Associated Press to have surgery within the next weeks to repair a minor fracture in his spine. Uh,
0: what year was this again? 2011. Arthur Motes.
2: No, I want to... Th- no, he didn't have surgery. Is, was this... It's, um,
1: I feel like Scott is sniffing it.
2: I'm, yeah, it's... I don't think it's Kyle Williams. I think he no. would have been a guy playing next to Kyle Williams.
1: It would be a guy playing next to Kyle Williams. And
2: then... And so as was one of her tackles, and it was like, "Who it was, was Pre Darius?" Pre Darius. So,
1: um, fuck. No, I don't. I don't. I'll give the I'll know. give the master hint. The correct answer should be, but isn't Rob Gronkowski. What is this player? have John McCargo. Uh, Torrell Troop is the one. The guy they drafted one pick before Gronk yes. went off the board.
2: and Yes, they I didn't knew it was. Yes, it was. Before that, yeah, it was Troop, yeah. yeah. And he did have those back
1: problems, yes. Yep. All right, 2010. This is a Browns player. Browns running back, Blank, hits 1,000 yards rushing, fumbles twice in 13-6 to 6 loss to Bills. Now, it's, it was a reason a guy hitting 1,000 yards against the Bills uh i don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't give it away or sound just wrong but it is odd for a player of his particular ethnic background to hit a thousand yards rushing
0: oh he was the white guy danny yeah. woodhead
1: no no let's see if scott can remember the name of this uh
2: sorry what year was it i missed the year
1: two- 2010 he was um let me try and get so scott got or frank got oh the, it's the, the, the guy card.
2: oh it's um uh the was it the charge no the chargers
1: guy or was that he was with he was he was with the browns now but he or it was with the browns at that point he'd been with the broncos i believe previously and when he became the first white running back to rush for a thousand yards it was the first time i think 25-ish years or so when he did it i'm trying to look (laughs) that up now
0: wow i don't really like how paul sneaks all these white pride stats (laughs) into our podcast (laughs) You just your politics to yourself, <laughs> sir. This is—I I debated putting this
1: in here because this is how you get on. Watch you, you could
0: you could just try a different glue. It's fine. We—you are a wonderful person, and we—we're just teasing you. you. I appreciate that. It's, yes. uh, it's uh, Peyton
1: Hillis the answer. Okay. Yeah. What was the right. answer? Peyton, Peyton Hillis. Hillis.
0: Peyton Hillis. Yes. Okay. You could have been like his name sounds a bit like a quarterback. Yes. No, All right. never mind.
1: Well, we're going to move on from this part of the discussion. <laughs> Let's run gonna,
0: from this comedian. I'm because... actually
1: going to learn how to edit this podcast just to change this, <laughs> this whole 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 last five minutes. All right, 2009, this was a game. The Bills beat the Chiefs. <laughs> Imagine that. Not happening today. 16 to 10. Um, 2009, who was the Bills head coach that day?
0: Oh, it's going to be a... Uh... <sighs> I'm
1: playing some dirty pool on this one.
0: I think you are. It's not, is it Perry Fuel?
1: Oh, I can't fool Frank. Perry wow. Fuel. Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. It was well played sir. Yes. All right. That's when did they you, had like a mini surge for about two minutes. They did. They like
1: They fired Jerome. Fuel took over. They barely lost to a good Jags team. Then they beat a, a Dolphins team that had a much better record. And then they, they went about Bill Zane and finished 6 and 10. Yeah.
2: Is the, the defensive Anthony Lynn of his day.
1: Yes. Now, where is Anthony's with the charge? I don't know where Perry is. Is that up? That's I
0: they, the giants, but. I think we were podcasting when they gave Dick Duron his extension, but then didn't announce it for weeks because they kept losing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway,
0: sorry. Go ahead.
1: That's uh, all right. All right. All right. We're going to skip a bunch of years here because nothing happened between 05 and 08. 2004, blank passes on-the-job training with flying colors. Now, here's the context. For his first game back, and for as long as he's been out, to play free safety out of the blue and make plays that he did was just outstanding on his part, said Bills coach Mike Malarkey. Not just his play, but him on the field is a big factor for our defense. And this, this was the day where the Bills held the Browns to 26 yards total the entire game. Literally the entire game, the Browns had 26 yards of offense. An interception, a sack, and a fumble recovery during the game.
2: 2004.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Safety. 2004.
2: Um,
1: he is the. Dante Whitner.
2: Mm, he hand. is currently
1: the executive vice president of football operations
0: for the NFL. Yes.
2: Troy Vincent.
0: Troy Vincent. There, there you go. go. That was right, that. Because he was a big, a big union labor there. guy. Yes. Yeah. I'm parlay that into a.
1: All right. Two to go. Blank-led Carolina comeback ranks fourth in Bill's history. So this player led a comeback against Carolina. He has joined Frank Reich and Todd Collins in the record books. The 18-point deficit overcome marked the fourth-largest regular season comeback in team history and the largest since coming back from a 26-0 deficit versus Indy uh, by Todd Collins in 1997. What year was this again? So quarterback 2001. They finished – this was one of the Bills' three wins that season.
0: Alex Van Pelt. And they beat
1: Carolina, who won their first yeah. – Alex Van Pelt. Good job. Yeah. The yes. alien versus predator, as I call him. A-B. Yes. So, yeah, this, this was your Carolina won their first game and then lost their last 15. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: last one. There are going to be a ton of hints on this one, and we'll see if you guys can get it. We're going to go back. 1997, I didn't even utilize, you know, a thanks to Two Bills Drive for keeping a great repository of headlines. This was Google right here. This is before Two Bills Drive was even around. So 1997, Bills send blank to injured lists. So here are the clues. The Buffalo Bills placed defensive end blank on injured reserve list Friday, ending his season and possibly his 15-year career. Bills were attending their team Christmas party Friday night and were unable to come. He had played 224 consecutive games in his career with Dallas and Buffalo before being sidelined following the Bills game in Indianapolis in September. At age 36, he's the oldest player on the Bills roster, Was he started for eight years with the Cowboys and was a member of two Dallas teams that won Super Bowls. And in 95, he signed a three-year deal with the Bills worth $3 million. I don't remember uh, this. At all. As Marvillie replaced him with second-year tackle Sean Moran when the Bills switched the defense from 3-4 to 4-3. This player who has 102-and-a-half career sacks was primarily a pass-rushing specialist while Moran could play in both defenses.
0: I'm trying to think who was on the Dallas defensive line. It was like Charles Yeah, he's one of those
1: guys who kind of slid under the air because Dallas had so many stars with, you know, Norton and Haley and Leon Lass. I was going to say, like, if it was
0: Charles Haley, I would remember him playing for the Bills, and I can't think of who the guy I don't remember is. is...
1: He was in Tecmo's Super Bowl. That's how I remember him, and it was – I should have noted too, like they were saying, this could be the end of his career. It was once he never played after after that. So his career did end. I'll say uh, Troy
0: Aikman. I'll say, uh, yes.
1: little, little known for his defensive prowess, but he had it.
2: Uh, I'll say Egyptian President Anwar Sadat.
1: Oh, good Ooh, guess. God. Uh, it is, uh, I'm trying, this is when I try to stall and come up with a pun that somehow ties. Anwar to the actual correct answer, but I've Googled their names together and I just broke Google. Like my computer, (laughs) these these two people are not connected. The answer is assistant football coach at the University of Colorado,
0: Jim Jeffcoat. Jim Jeffcoat. I see now I remember him as a Bill. That's right. I do remember he was there.
1: Three solid seasons with the Bills. And uh, that was this day in Bill's headlines for December 13th.
0: Bill's Lions uh, preseason week four per usual um (laughs) none none of the starters are gonna play but um and it's meaningless so really you know
1: perfect are the lions
0: any good i have no idea
1: they're like six and seven ish so they're they're in that in the hunt category as lions are always in the hunt as any good nature person will tell you
0: yes but Uh, um, five and eight actually not six and seven it's the same it's it's the
1: same middling my point is they're middling so yeah
0: Matt Stafford having a Matt Stafford year, 32 ish, 100 yards, eight, a lot of touchdowns, a decent number of interceptions. Um, I don't know what is, what is, I don't, I don't know anything about Detroit and I didn't prepare because I don't really care because the season's over. I know Matt
1: Patricia is their coach and they beat the Lions and Stafford's their quarterback and Calvin Johnson is retired.
0: They beat the Lions. Barry Sanders. You just yeah, said the Lions they,
1: beat the Patriots. I'm sorry, I screwed that up. The Patriots and Lions beat the Patriots, but they do beat themselves every week. So if the, Bills still, is,
0: I, if the Bills is one point favorites at home, so it's basically what the hell a,
1: is wrong with Vegas? It's a
0: basically a pick'em game. Um, yeah. Let's uh,
1: all not jumping together. I'm talking about our excitement for Bills Lions.
0: Yeah, I don't even. I'm looking like.
2: Eric Ebron, right? Is he still
0: with him? I think he, is Ebron's... Uh, did, is this Smith's, is like... Did you guys see or read Stephen A. Smith today? The,
2: they the you, yeah.
1: The, Ebron's moved on to the Colts, by the way, where he's actually good Right.
0: I yeah. feel like Stephen A. Smith also prepared this Bill's lines <laughs> preview, because I'll just go out and say Barry Allen, All right. or Barry Allen. Wow, Barry Sanders. Barry Allen a little bit better than Barry Sanders at running. <laughs> what can I say? Um, Barry Sanders is you know, not coming through those doors, guys. Um, nor is Rodney Pete. Who is your favorite non Barry Sanders lion, Scott?
2: Um I mean the Yukon boy Dan Orlovsky.
0: Yeah. I, I the like Owen, m- the Owen sixteen quarterback, yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: Um I mean, you know, in terms of like an actual player, like I mean uh Megatron was
0: Pretty really great. good.
2: he was he was he was he was for a while there like it didn't really get much better than him. Like he was pretty much top of the line. He was state of the art. He was he was fun to watch.
0: He was like the epitome of just throw it and good yeah. things will happen. What about you, Paul?
1: That is uh boy, that is a good question. Uh I, I'd semi-cheat and say I like Pete Metzelars, but he of course is a former build, so right. really I I don't think I can quite get away with that. I remember the quarterback Mike McMahon. I always thought he was like the perfect amount of mediocre for Detroit. <laughs> I feel like he was what Detroit really deserved and got. Forty four point five percent completion percentage, three and eleven career record, you know, twenty eight hundred and sixty-seven yards, fifteen TDs to twenty-one interceptions. To me, he was emblematic of of Detroit. And he was also from North Allegheny, Pennsylvania. I have a lot of friends from that area. So Rutgers boy. Uh, We're almost the exact same age. So, you know, we've got a lot of commonalities. So I'm going to go with Mike Edward McMahon. Okay.
0: Um, And I didn't make up his middle
1: name as a pun. His middle name is actually Edward. So he is Ed McMahon.
0: Very nice. You are correct, sir. (laughs) Um, I always liked uh, Bobby Night Train Lane. Oh, you went with a a really good player, yeah. Yeah, like that was always a fun name. And I had Andre Ware's rookie card. So I always liked him, even though he did nothing. Um of consequence uh and then um the paper lion himself george plimpton uh you know new england socialite who joined their practice squad and played with them to write a book which is oh you know who
1: i should have mentioned jerry ball i feel like the bills had him they would have won the super bowl instead of jeff Wright at nose tackle but
0: oh wow that's how that's that's how close it was
1: yeah
0: wayne fonts and anyway based on all of that uh i say the bills will will uh I think the Bills will win this week. I, I think that they they have to get I think they're gonna get one more win. And I don't know where else it's gonna come other than this week. This is like of all the meaningless games to win, like this is the most meaningless. It's like an NFC North team at home. So, you know, I'll I'll take uh I'll take the Bills sixteen thirteen over the Lions.
2: Hmm. I will also take the Bills. I will take the Bills. 20 to 18 with six Matt Prater field goals to assist Whoa. me in winning my first playoff game in fantasy football this weekend.
0: Yes. We're all, all reading right, for the, the Appleton.
2: In, in Russia, Bills play you.
0: Exactly. Is that is that the name of your team? Yes. Excellent.
1: Hmm. This is, this is a, you know, this is a tough one. I'm going to go against the gray. I'm actually going to pick the Lions in this one. But again, when it's mediocrity versus mediocrity, I usually pick the home team, but I think Lions might just be slightly better. I'm going to agree with the six field goals. I'm going to say 18, 17 Lions in this Mm -hmm. one. They're just going to be two touchdowns and a Jordan Gay field goal, who they're going to pull off of the roster, onto the roster this week. Uh, And that's going to be all the scoring.
0: He's available. I'd like it to is. amend my I'd like to amend my score to sixteen thirteen uh or did I say six I think I did say sixteen thirteen yes. because there won't be any field goals from the bills they'll go for two twice and they'll make it both times <laughs> and kudos to
1: Scott by the way, for picking the Dolphins score perfectly
0: there um, you go yeah. two weeks ago right we we didn't get to talk about that last time, yep. Yeah. Well, um, if you'd like to talk to us more, we've given you our Twitter and our our Facebook, Bills MNY, Bills MNY at Gmail, and you can search Buffalo Bills. Maybe next year, we're on the Anchor app, we're in all of your feeds you can get your your podcasts on uh we're co-starring on other podcasts now i am waiting for someone to call scott to do three stars and then it will be truly revealed that i have no talent and i just sit here and let you guys do Except all the work. for
1: pulling all this together and recording it and you know figuring out where we're hosting the pod be, and everything guest, else that you do behind the be scenes. Be guest
2: producing
0: right i'll <laughs> be like yeah behind <laughs> the scenes Uh, Just sort of vaguely saying something kind of funny, and then directing it back to you. You'll (laughs) be
2: the board op on some some podcast,
0: right? Well, that's that could be a big thing. That's like hey, the guy who Greg Garcia, who does My Name Is Earl, and he had another hit show like uh, what was that one on Fox? It wasn't Raising (laughs) Arizona. It was he was the board op for the local ESPN nine eighty and the Tony Kornheiser show, Mm. and he went on to now be so maybe i'll raising, do that uh yes dear not yes dear it
1: was executive producer of my name is earl yes dear the guest book and raising hope and raising also hope the, that's and the one i was the, thinking says he also is uh he developed one of the pilots that was picked up by cbs the millers which i don't know if that's still on the air oh that it is.
0: is i don't oh, it is on still it is according to this yeah oh no never mind no, I, that they had like two seasons yeah, yeah. maybe um because that was a will arnett show that yeah. yeah anyway uh he's very t- talented and started as a board op and you know i'm only just like much much older than he ever was and <laughs> much less talented uh but we can discuss all that another time you know how to get a hold of us we'll be here next week talking um you know bill's lines results and looking forward to bills whoever what is it patriots after this or
1: god oh boy yep
0: i have no mm. idea yeah For sure seven. Go into your
1: the day before Christmas Eve, we got to talk about you know we'll be talking about the Patriots game during Christmas week. Well,
0: no, maybe please. we won't. Maybe we'll talk about Christmas. Yes. Motherfuckers. Yeah,
2: motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, We've just got New England and then the the season finale against the Dolphins. So yeah. um, maybe we'll just talk about who our favorite New England players were over the years. See how that goes. John
1: Stevens, Sorry. John Stevens, running back, a late eighties.
0: Spoiler, save it for next week. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Until then, I'm Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.